Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. everybody this is pc ross and we are back after a two-week hiatus there are two hidden episodes floating around out there if you find them let us know how it goes uh we're here to talk college football and we're gonna get a little antsy get a little fiery there's there's been proof in the pudding in terms of conferences and teams as a whole we saw some major wins which also equated to major losses i think we start out with the biggest one that i think keep nice starting off the episode on a high note there with a great great comparison what do you mean? Well, yeah, it is a good, it is a good wins, comparison. Some major losses. Right. Let's start off with Georgia LSU because Georgia's not eliminated yet by any stretch of the imagination because if you're in the SEC, you're never eliminated. Just look at LSU hopping back to the number five ranked team in the country after a win against these Georgia Bulldogs. And this is the first time all year, and we've been saying it for now eight weeks, that we thought Georgia was not the same team it was last year. This is the first time they didn't look look it. They scored 16 points while allowing 36 points by an offense that wasn't really that dominant in LSU. LSU, no, number five in the country. They will have their time against Alabama, I think, at the top. They have to get through Mississippi State this week, but we'll get to that in a later segment. Georgia, hanging in there at number eight. You clearly know the road here. they got to finish strong and take out Alabama in the SEC title game in order to make it to the playoffs, but very, very doable. Go Tigers. Um, after letting us down pretty big a couple weeks ago, they just absolutely destroyed Georgia. Um, Joe Burrow had himself a nice little game, passed for 200 yards, had a couple of short touchdown runs. Um, but the main the key to this game was LSU's defense just demolishing Georgia's pretty prolific offense. Um, you know, LSU 13, now they move up. Uh, what are they at now, Ross? Uh, number five number five five. so that's a big big win for the lsu tigers um you gotta love coach o just so pumped up post game speech was awesome um and i have to say this is very surprising to me that lsu was able to come out and just beat down this georgia team who you know as we said i don't think they're as good as last year but i still thought they were a top four team and i still think they might be um very surprising though that they they came out and just got spanked by LSU, but this game was, I think, over in the second quarter. Um, LSU just kind of ran away with it. But give credit to Coach O. Um, LSU is squarely back in the playoff hunt, and you know this just made college football that's that much more interesting. 
Absolutely. And like we said, the SEC holding strong. I mean, as we look at it now, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, all in the top top 10. UCF, by the way, didn't move up after all these losses this week. I thought that was interesting. They got hot by Oklahoma. They got hot by Texas. And they got hot by Michigan and LSU. That's a conversation for a later day. But let's talk about a conference that'll start getting me riled up to the point where I can finally explode when we get back to the Big Ten. But, but the Pac-12 officially eliminated from any playoff contention this past week. Oregon sitting at 12. I understand they only have one loss, and you can say maybe a one-loss conference champion can make it, but not when your conference is the Pac-12. Oregon beat Washington 30-27 to in what I call the redemption game, Xander. They finally took it to overtime, a place where they had lost to Stanford earlier in the year after a horrible fumble late in the game. They beat Washington after Washington's kicker was iced and missed a 37-yard field goal. Washington out, Oregon up, the Pac-12 done. That's what I think the headline should be in the Chronicle. <laughs> yeah, and it really makes you think back to a few weeks ago, if Oregon is able to hang on to that 99.6% chance they had to beat Stanford, um, they're, they think they are squarely in the playoff conversation. You can make an argument that they would be ranked up at number five because um, you've got four undefeateds with Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Notre Dame. Um, and you had to think that an undefeated Oregon team would probably be up there in the top five or six right now, but that loss to Stanford is killer. Um, I do happen to agree with you here. I think the Pac-12 is dead. I don't know if it was ever really alive. I don't think any of those teams had a great shot. Um, my biggest chance at the start of the year was Washington, but you know, with two losses now, um, I just think their chances are done. I know they had a, they had a tough loss to Auburn on opening night, but you know, had they run the table, I think you know they could have been in the conversation. But that is no longer. Um, taking a look at the rest of the top ten, I think most intriguing team in there right now. It's got to be the Texas Longhorns. Hook 'em horns with a big win over Baylor last week, twenty three seventeen. A little bad injury news though, Rod. It seems like they lost their starting quarterback. Uh, not sure for how long. I didn't read the injury report, but big win and a big loss at the same time. Um, where does this put you with Texas for the rest of the year right now, sitting at number seven? Well, without Sam Ellinger, I don't think there's much of a chance for them to keep going. But I think this is going to be the catapult effect. That may not make sense. You may never have heard that before. But if you see it, Texas is at 7. Oklahoma is at 9. The Big 12 is definitely a conference looking to slip a team into the college football playoffs. But I think it'll lead to one beating the other to really make the strong case. So we could still have Oklahoma, and we could definitely have Texas. I think they both need teams to lose, though. I don't see them passing an undefeated Alabama, an undefeated Clemson, undefeated Ohio State, and definitely not an undefeated Notre Dame. Those four teams up at the top, I don't think all of them will finish undefeated, but they definitely hold the spot right now. Texas does not control their own destiny, and neither does the Big 12 as a whole. West Virginia losing, I think, was a very harmful loss. Um them losing to Iowa State the way they did in that fashion kind of weakens the Big 12, but no conference weaker to me than the Big 10. And I don't care that Ohio State is up to number two and even contains one first-place vote. They beat a team in Minnesota that was really fighting the entire game. They play a schedule that is really porous. And you look at across the way, Michigan just absolutely took a steaming pile of dump on the Wisconsin Badgers. And I think it's time to call it quits if you're a Wisconsin person. You know, I think the Badgers have hit their limit. They showed you they can get up in the top 10, and they don't actually belong. But that's all they have there in the Big Ten, and that's yeah. going to be Ohio State-Michigan. Well, yeah, and I, I disagree with you. I don't think the Big Ten is the worst conference in college football. I mean, I think essentially they're one of the most cannibalistic, if you want to look at it. Um, you know, you had 12 versus 15, Michigan-Wisconsin, and, you know, Penn State versus Michigan State. Um, 
Here's yeah, a here's a fun one. Go back to the last time Wisconsin didn't lose by more than twenty to Michigan or Ohio State. I, I don't even know when it was. Right. Exactly. And the last time they were in the Big Ten championship, they got blown out by fifty. So I think it's I think yeah, it's but well I don't said think, that, but I don't think Wisconsin is one of my when I think of the Big Ten being good at football, I don't think of Wisconsin really. I think Well of, they represent their side of the conference or the division, yeah, you know? Well, like who meanwhile, else is Iowa, they, meanwhile uh, the Big Ten has a team that's number two in the country and number six. So we can and who agree have they to just if they I, want to make the arguments for who Alabama has beaten, I have the same Ohio question. State for has beaten Penn State. And they beat Penn TCU. State, really? Two Penn rank, State's about rank. to be on their way out of the ranking after a okay. loss. To well, I mean, when you look at the your favorite team, Michigan after, State. Oh, Michigan, Michigan State did me dirty this week by beating up on Penn State, um, and they find themselves back into the top twenty-five. Really, dis- really disappointing, disappointing, disappointing for them. Um, you know, they. I feel like they were one quarter away from being undefeated in that great game at Ohio State. They lose that one, and they drop this game to, I think, a pretty weak Michigan State team this year, but. You know, by the end of the year, they might be ranked higher than Penn State, uh, but that was that was a big blow to Penn State's chances. I mean, pretty much knocks them out of the playoff hunt. We'll see how they do the rest of the year in the conference. But you know, Penn State, I think they might be lucky to snatch their way into the top twenty-five with the way that this season is going right now. Um, six weeks in, or six games in for them, we're in week eight, I believe, right now. But that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us. We are still on LibertyTalk.fm and AMFM247.com. You can download us on iTunes and Google Play. Um, so we are all over the web. Don't miss a show because this is where you find out all your sporting news. We'll catch you after the break, everybody. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? We are back for segment number dos. And we are going to bring to you this week in college football what the NCAA has in store for us moving forward. We've got a fake ranked team versus the number three ranked team in Clemson versus NC State. I know me and Xander both took this game on opposite scales, but I have a new conspiracy, Xander, that leads me to call NC State a fake ranked team. Hmm, Let's hear it. Conspiracy being... Ratings are important. Advertising, even more important. And of course, whatever revenue it generates is going to be the ultimate goal for the NCAA. I was at a game last week. Although USC was not ranked, it pitted a ranked Colorado, number 19 in the country. And that team got royally spanked. I think it was a false ranking. I don't think because they were 5-0, and because of their horrible schedule they had played they deserve to be a ranked team and i think the ncaa does this they it's like politics they put the wrong people in charge sometimes and sometimes they put the wrong people in the power rankings or in the top ap25 this nc state team is about to lose by 40 and that's why i'm going to take clemson minus 17 and a half i completely disagree with you here um you know i think when you're playing don't you (laughs) you're playing a big conference matchup here i don't you know i don't really care what the you know what the records are what the rankings are I look at the past two years um and the last the last couple games have been very very close between these two teams last season Clemson rallied from a 21-17 halftime deficit um and withstood you know 330 yard passing effort by NC State's Ryan Finley that held off the wood wolf, wolf pack 38-31 um and then the year before um NC State missed a 33 yard field goal at the end of regulation um and the Tigers escaped with a 24-17 overtime victory. So 
I don't know if NC State's going to win this game straight up, but I will take the 17.5 points, absolutely. I think this is going to be a very good game. Um, and there's not really many undefeated teams left in college football, so that makes this matchup even more intriguing. But, you know, I do think NC State's going to come out to play here. And if they do happen to beat Clemson, the ACC will be shook up because NC State will be taking their side of the division as it stands because um, it's them and Clemson, and you look at the other side, Pretty brutal. Virginia Tech, Virginia, Miami, and Pittsburgh. Um, so this is the cream of the crop when it comes to the ACC right now. And will NC State be able to hold on? I don't know. They might. They just might, Roz. We shall see. And let's get back to another bad ranking, in my opinion, by the NCAA and their polls. That is going to be Michigan versus Michigan State. I'm riding high on Michigan minus seven. I think they're going to put a whooping on Michigan State, sending Michigan State back into the abyss of the unranked. I think Shea Patterson has actually figured it out to a certain degree, as well as this Wolverine defense. I like Michigan, minus seven. That's where the money is this weekend. Take it, leave it, earn yourself some money. <laughs> I am on the same side here. Not not as high in Michigan as you are, but I will take them minus seven on the road against Michigan State. My feelings about Michigan State really haven't changed. Um, I still don't think they're a very good football team, and I think this is finally the year that Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines make a run towards the college football playoff. Um, And I think there's going to be a lot of implications on that final matchup of the season between Ohio State and Michigan. But I think Michigan takes this game pretty handedly. Um, I think Brian Lewerke is going to have a tough game against this Michigan defense. You know, he's the main playmaker over there for the Spartans. But I do like Michigan minus seven here on the road. Um, I think they win by three scores in this one. Wow, I'm sorry. I am taken aback that Josh Rosen just threw his third or second interception of the game and to the house it is now 21-3 in this Arizona where's Bradford where is he oh my god Josh Rosen is really terrible and this is bad radio but I had to just admire that so we we still got our picks me and Wits are on the same side for the first time in a while but we're gonna have to disagree again when it comes to the Pac-12 as Washington State another Pac-12 team they gave a ranking I don't think they deserve Oregon takes him down I get Oregon at plus three, which is absolutely beautiful. They've been on the minus three end for the last two major games they've played against ranked opponents. They go in, they take out Washington State, and Oregon continues to move up the ladder, falling just short of the playoffs. Um, I'm on the other side here. Like you mentioned, um, this is a huge matchup in the Pac-12, Washington State and Oregon. Um, and I think it's game. this game's going to go a long way in determining the Pac-12 North champion because the winner is going to have a two-game basically a two-game edge over the other one. You know, the one-game heads-up, um, one-game edge plus the tiebreaker with the heads-up. Um, I just really like Washington State in this matchup. I think Oregon is a very good football team, and they're, you know, they're one fumble away from being 6-0 and and possibly being ranked in the top five. But I do like Washington State here. I think the offense is always pretty potent over there. Um and I, I think they're going to take this game from Oregon. And I love the fact that they're at home in this one. I think this is going to be a tough road matchup for Oregon, even though it's not very far travel-wise. I like the Cougars in this one, and I think they're going to win this game by 10. Well, I'm glad that me and you are going tick for tack, but we're going to have to agree on the same page again. We've got LSU minus 6.5 against Mississippi State. Mississippi State, I won't say doesn't deserve the ranking. If you're an SEC team, I do believe you Deserve all the ranking in the world. You are in the toughest conference, starting with Kentucky at the bottom all the way to Alabama at the top. 
I mean, even Vanderbilt gave us a game last week against Florida. But I do like LSU minus six and a half. They cannot fall off the wagon. They just took down a massive opponent in Georgia. They cannot slip up here like they did against Florida. I do like LSU, though, minus six and a half at home. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those games I'm really loving that half point. Um, I think this is going to be a tough matchup for LSU. I mean, if you if you think back to last year, um, after that, I think it was week two or three, um, that Mississippi State just absolutely blew the Tigers out of the stadium, 37-7. to um, It was the most lopsided loss for LSU since Ed Orgeron took over um, four games into the 2016 season. So I'm not looking past Mississippi State here. I don't think you can take them for granted, but I'm a big believer in momentum, and I think LSU, um, while they were very down with that loss a couple weeks ago, I think they completely turned their season around, showed that they still are a very top flight elite team in college football. Um, I think this is going to come down to the wire, but I like LSU by a score here. Um, So I'll take a minus a six and a half. I think this is going to be the best game of the slate uh, this week. And I think Mississippi State's going to show some people, um, you know, why the SEC is is the best college football conference around. This is going to be a tight game, but I do like LSU and Coach O here. And I think they start making their intense push for the college football playoff this week. And then me and you took, of course, two picks that outside of the top 25, you took a Big Ten matchup, whereas I took an SEC matchup. Auburn just dropped out of the top 25. They are going on the road this week, but I like them minus three and a half. I think that's a safe bet for you folks, so feel free to hop on the Roz train. And I am taking, I believe for the first time ever, the Fighting Illini are on the road against the Wisconsin Badgers. Um I think we all know how I feel about Wisconsin. I think they're fake news. Uh, they're barely hanging on to that top 25 ranking. And at plus 24.5, which I was, I was corrected, it's not 25. 24.5, I'm going to take Lovey Smith and that beautiful beard over there in Champaign um, over Wisconsin. I think they're just going to keep this one pretty close. Um, you know, Illinois has played, I think, a little better than people thought they would this year. They're sitting at 3-3 three and three at 500. But I just don't think Hornibrook and the Badgers have enough firepower to win this game by more than 24. So I'm taking the Fighting Illini on the road against the Badgers this week. That is our game picks. Hopefully we will have our statistics back up and loaded. I know that because of the episodes that are missing or hidden, we didn't get to explain to you that we lost our record board of all of our picks. We, but no, we, I did, we didn't lose. This will not be a team thing. Roz lost all the picks. We forgot to hit the save button on Microsoft Excel. For, for 18 months. We apologize. Months. Not one time in 18 months. It was not great. I'm not proud of myself, but we, we live and we learn, just like we hope Josh Rosen will. But do you want to break into the NFL a little bit, or do you want to give a little bit of an NBA taste to finish off this segment? How are you feeling? Um, I'll give a little bit of an NBA taste. Um, you know, I'm always kind of a hater of the NBA. I know you are as well, but I'm excited for this year, man. I mean, I'm in a fantasy basketball league. Um, it's my second year in a row. Very excited. Had a couple couple big picks. Uh, you know, I'm going to give some love to James Harden. Had a pretty good night, um, second night of the league. But I think Ben Simmons, what a monster line. Game one on Wednesday or Tuesday night, um, almost put up a triple double. I think there's a lot of exciting teams out there. I think one team to look out for. I think they're going to be real fun to watch this year. Is the Phoenix Suns? If any of you guys got a chance to see DeAndre Ayton working some magic with Devin Booker? Um, they're going to be very fun. I think Luka Doncic, 
Doncic was pretty good on night one. Um, a lot of stuff going on in the NBA right now. Uh, you know, we got tonight is the first time we'll get to see LeBron. Of course, this is Thursday night. Lakers against the Trailblazers. So there's some exciting stuff in the NBA right now. We got a lot of young talent on there. Um, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. And we'll give you little tidbits along the way. But that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us. LibertyTalk.fm, AMFM247.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Google Play. And we'll catch you after the break. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, the Bubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. We are back, my friends, with the show that never ends. This is the Sporting Edge with Wits and Roz, and we are getting back to NFL Week 6 action. Um, I think the most exciting game of the week, Roz, had to be the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Cincinnati against the Bengals. Um, This game was 21-21 late in the fourth, and Pittsburgh found the guy who always seems to be there when a big play needs to be made, Antonio Brown, with that late, 30-yard touchdown catch and run that essentially sealed the game. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that one at all, Roz, but James Conner continues to impress. Had 19 carries for 111 and two TDs. Um, Juju with another 100-yard game. Um, This was a big, big win for the Steelers, Roz, in a division where they were looking like they were going to be 2-3-1. They are now 3-2-1, dropped the Bengals to 4-2, and and this could be could have been the week that catapulted the Steelers uh, to go on a little bit of a run here. Right. I mean, it's their defense that almost let them down again by giving up that Joe Mixon touchdown. But thank God for this offense that's just absolutely prolific. It's amazing to me. This Steelers team is 3-2-1. and one, But offensively, it looks like they have the most dominant offense outside the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, you talk about Antonio Brown now being accompanied by Juju Smith-Schuster, who is absolutely a freak of nature. I mean, he is one of the best second team receivers I've ever seen I mean and by second team I mean second receiver on the depth chart but he he's catching more than Antonio Brown is I know Brown was the hero in that last touchdown but you see Ben really getting the ball to Juju and also like you said James Connors 111 yards on 19 carries with two touchdowns who is Le'Veon Bell is the real question and if he wants to come back feel free but it doesn't really matter at this point because they've got a pure runner in James Conner. That was a game I did watch, and I found it really entertaining. It's one of those heartbreakers for the Bengals. You see your season going to 5-1. and one. You're up with literally under a minute to go, and you blow it in the fashion that you did. Really kind of heartbreaking. Um, around the NFL, though, you had another amazing game in the Atlanta Falcons just escaping the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Matt Ryan did throw for 354 yards and three touchdowns. But here's the trivia. Who didn't catch a touchdown pass in those three touchdowns? <laughs> 
Julio I'll, Jones? I will get, yes, and Xander gets it right on that. Julio Jones now six weeks through the season without a touchdown, still only three touchdowns in a matter of 22 fantasy, not 22 fantasy, just 22 NFL weeks. That is an incredible number to be heard. Julio Jones, a guy you would think is the best in the league. I mean, he did have 10 receptions for 144 yards. They squeak it out over the Buccaneers. If Matt Ryan's real, we aren't seeing it. I mean, Jameis Winston went for 395 and four touchdowns. He really played well. The NFC South is definitely interesting in terms of I think the Saints are the best team, and they're going to start slowly pulling away because another team that shocked me was the loss in the Carolina Panthers. They blew that game against the Redskins, a team I don't find to be very good. Josh Norman did bounce back in primetime, intercepting his former teammate Cam Newton. Yeah, the Panthers had a chance in that game, and they were down big early in the first quarter, 14-0, but just couldn't muster enough um, to come back and win that game. Another great game, um, the Colts and the Jets. I feel like every time I turned on the TV, there was another turnover, but the Jets win a big one, 42-34. to They move to 3-3 three and three on the season. Um, this looks to be another year down the tubes for the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Luck, good good game stats-wise. Put up 300 yards and four touchdowns, but it wasn't enough. He, look at his stats this year. He's a top-five quarterback in fantasy. He has been there. His team is just atrocious. And it uh, looks like only one man named Peyton Manning could take a team that bad to the postseason as many times as he did. Yeah, and uh, it's hard to fall further down the snip list if you're already on the list, but the Oakland Raiders, um, they look like they never left Oakland um, because they lost 27 to three to the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson tossed up three touchdowns, was very efficient, 17 to 23 for 222 yards. And I mean, this Raiders team cannot seem to do anything right. Derek Carr is banged up now. I got a little vote of confidence from John Gruden, but I don't even think it really matters anymore because at one in five, this Raiders team is is ever that much closer to the getting the number one pick. Um, there's a couple teams in the mix here. We got the Cardinals, we got the Giants, um, and they're definitely in the running for that. One other great game, Rams. Um, tough game against the Broncos, but they were able to pull through 23 to 20. And Roz, I got to ask you, what happened to this great Jaguars defense from last year? Where did they go? What happened to them? They they sat behind Jalen Ramsey for too long. They let Jalen Ramsey run his mouth more than I've seen anybody do, and there has been no backing it up on Jalen Ramsey's part. And the Cowboys, who have been a terrible, terrible offense this year, put up 40 points. Dak Prescott still only threw for 183 yards and two touchdowns. Elliott had a nice game on the ground, 106 yards and one touchdown. And of the 183 yards Prescott had, Cole Beasley had 101 of them on nine receptions. He also scored two touchdowns last week. With Terrence Williams going down, Cole Beasley is the pickup of the year right now. Let me put it out there in the universe. Pick up Cole Beasley for your fantasy teams. He's going to be a great flex option moving forward. Yeah, and you know what? I said that Cincinnati-Pittsburgh was the game of the week, but I forgot how much we got treated to a great Sunday night and Monday night game. Um, First, it was Chiefs-Patriots, and this was an absolute slugfest um, in the second half, you had the Patriots winning 43-40. to 40, And I think my one of my biggest takeaways from this game, Roz, was that Patrick Mahomes, I think, is for real. Because he was down 24-9 to going into halftime, showed a lot of spunk in the second half. They weren't able to come away with a victory, but he showed me a lot of grit in this loss to the Patriots. I know it was their first loss of the year, but 
Patrick Mahomes, I think, is going to be a household name here for a long time because he did not shy away from the bright lights and did not shy away. And like you were saying, and we hate to be ESPN followers, but they said this is probably the most exciting thing you could have happen in a loss because although you did now or now you do have a losing mark on your record, it almost kind of was a win. The fact that Patrick Mahomes made this game a 43-40 game, literally did not sit back in the locker room at halftime and ponder, am I actually good? He came out there, threw for 352 yards and four more touchdowns, also finding Tariq Hill for three of them, plus that 75-yarder at the end of the game when he thought they were in trouble. I think the Chiefs are the real deal. The Patriots are who they are. Tom Brady, always great down the stretch. They won 43 40 um, but that was that to me was definitely the game of the week. The high scoring, the back and forth, the talent on both ends of the field. I mean, you had Sony Michelle on the Patriots side. You had Kareem Hunt and Tariq Hill for the Chiefs. It's unbelievable the amount of talent these two teams have. And it's finally the first time I think the Patriots have a real rival in the AFC since Peyton Manning left. Yeah, that should be a fun one to watch um, if we do get to see them in the AFC championship game. And then Monday night. Um, your Packers staying alive in the NFC North, Aaron Rodgers, man, if that, you know, I think the best quarterback in the NFL right now, I think there's, there's no bones about it. Even on one leg led this Packers team to a 33, 30 victory with a revitalized CJ Beathard, um, having quite the game, but this was an enormous win for a Packers team. Um, the bears lost a, a stinker to the dolphins, 31, 28. Um, they weren't able to pull through, gave up 15 in the fourth quarter, to the Brock Osweiler-led Miami Dolphins, and now we have a we have a tie atop the NFC North. And I mean, you had, you had to be happy with that Packers effort um, with that win last Monday night. Really disappointed with the Packers' effort in that game. I think Aaron Rodgers has already been known as the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, he's the first quarterback in NFL history to go back-to-back weeks with 400 passing yards and not throw an interception. He is absolutely exceptional. This Packers team has me scared. I've never said that on this show. 33-30 to against a backup quarterback, backup running back, and a backup slate of receivers with one of the worst defenses in the league. It is unbelievable how nervous I am. We do have a full bye week at the perfect time of the year. Everyone's going to get healthy. Rodgers taking the breaks off after the bye week. And you know what? Rodgers is taking 10 days to himself. I hope Rodgers has the best 10 days of his life. I hope him and Danica go have a great time during those 10 days. I need him to be happy and healthy come week eight when we're in Los Angeles, where I will be at the Coliseum once again seeing my Packers play the Rams. But the Packers are a nerve-wracking team right now for me. Devonta Adams looks ever or it looks like the best receiver in the league right now 10 receptions 132 yards and two touchdowns um nervous though for the Packers that's for sure yeah a little nerve-wracking I mean it seems like their problem is always that defense and their offense has kind of struggled a little bit this year but Aaron Rodgers just I think single-handedly putting a team on his back but enough of week six in the NFL let's dive ahead to week seven we've got about 20 seconds left here um in the segment Roz so we're going to kick it off you got five picks a piece and I'll start us off give a little teaser first game of the week um I'm taking the London game here I'm taking the Chargers minus six um technically the home team but they're in London great time 8 30 that's going to be 6 30 Roz time so maybe he'll get up to see that one but I'm, I'm going against the Titans they have shown me that they are not very good dropping a game 21 to nothing against the Ravens last week so the Chargers at 4-2, and two, I love the three-headed monster here of Rivers, Gordon, and Keenan Allen. Um, I think the Chargers will put up a 40-burger, possibly a 50-burger against Tennessee. And 
We'll send Mike Rabel crying all the way back to the United States. That is all the time we have here. I'm with him on the Chargers, by the way, for my pick, but that is all the time we have this segment, everybody. Yeah, this is the Sporting Edge. You miss a show, you know where to find us. LibertyTalk.fm, AMFM247.com, and you can even catch us on iTunes. We'll be back after the break with some more picks and a little talk about the MLB playoffs. What is up? We are here for the last segment of the week, and we've got more game picks to get bring you. Me and Xander on the opposite side of the coin this time. I'm going to be heads because heads always wins and tails always fails. I'm taking the Patriots minus two and a half at Soldier Field. I think we get a real true looking at the Bears this week when Tom Brady sticks his fist right down their throat. He'll throw for 70,000 touchdowns and will also beat them 1,000 to zero. Yeah, um, I think this line, you look at it, seems a little too good to be true. Um, I know the Bears have been playing pretty well as a whole this season, but you know, you look at the Patriots, only two-and-a-half-point uh, favorites against Chicago Bears. But I do like the Bears in this one. I think the defense took a step back a little bit last week. They were not very good, but I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on Tom Brady this week. And I think the key to the game will be how well the Patriots can run the ball. Um, Tom Brady, he's been pretty good most of this year, but you know, it seems like their offense has struggled a little bit at times. Um, you know, Gronk, Chris Hogan, I think kind of having a little bit of a down year. Um, Josh Gordon has been making some plays, but I do like the bears in this one. I think this will be a pretty cool chess match between Bill Belichick and Matt Nagy. Um, I think Matt Nagy's, you know, been one of the most exciting coaches in the league this year and we'll see what he's got planned for New England this week, but I do like the Bears plus two and a half at home, and I think they make a big case for why they're going to win the NFC North. Very fair, and the me and you are on the same side of the coin when we talk about the New Orleans Saints plus two and a half. We like their game coming up this week. I think Drew Brees back off a bye. It's hard to bet against a guy who's going to be fresh and, of course, is named Drew Brees. He is our fantasy quarterback and our combined team, and I know that me and you both want to see the success he brings. I really don't believe in the Ravens, and I think he's going to take it to them on the road in Baltimore. Hmm, Baltimore. And we travel to Philadelphia for this pick. I'm taking the Panthers, plus four and a half here against the defending Super Bowl champion Eagles, who find themselves at three and three this year. They have not been playing some some very good football. Um, complete lack of a running game over there. We've had injuries to Jay Ajayi, and now, you know, basically a mix mash of Wendell Smallwood, Darren Sproles, and Corey Clement. Um, but I do like Cam Newton in this game. I think that was a tough loss last week to the Redskins. But the Panthers always seem to show up, um, I think, occasionally every once in a while. And I think they do against the Eagles this week. I think they take a big win um, and try to keep pace in this NFC South where the Saints, I think, are the clear favorite right now. But I do like the Panthers. And I am also going to take... The Cincinnati Bengals on the road, plus six against the Chiefs. Um, the Bengals, I think, are a very solid team. And I think the Chiefs are, like, Chiefs could be the second best team in the NFL right now. But I do like Andy Dalton and A.J. Green in this game. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. And I'm going to call it right now that Patrick Mahomes is going to have his first real struggle of 2018 here. I know a couple weeks ago he didn't have a passing touchdown, um, but he did have 300 yards and a rushing touchdown. But I, I do think he struggles a little bit wow. against this Bengals team this week. Wow. And I, I, like, I like the redhead. That's the witch cop out of the century. <laughs> I've got one more big. I've got one oh, more big one coming you up. You took your five picks. You lost your pick when you took the Bengals plus six, which was not originally on your docket. 
he was gonna he was replaces that now with the pick he originally had in the Giants plus four, losing faith in his New York team. But I will be taking the Falcons minus four in his place. I like the Falcons minus four as well as Minnesota minus three and a half in the two games this week. Those are our NFL picks. I don't even want Xander to have the opportunity to defend himself for switching out his Giants pick. But wow, shockers here at the Sporting Edge. Yeah, well, I guess I might have made a mistake, but that shows you how how true of a love I have for redheaded Randy Dalton. Um, so we got a few minutes left here, Roz, and we are neck and neck in the MLB playoffs right now. As we sit here on Thursday night, the Boston Red Sox are up one to nothing in a Game Five at Houston. They are one game away from getting to the World Series, and as we sit right now, David Price has come out and he has pitched three solid innings. Um, Against the Houston Astros here, we've got a J.D. Martinez home run that separates the two right now. And I want to take a little rewind back to Wednesday night, Roz. I don't know if you got a chance to see, but Jose Altuve looked like he had a two-run homer that was going to be snagged by Mookie Betts, but a fan interfered with Mookie Betts' glove. Didn't catch the ball, but they ended up calling interference on the fan, called Altuve out, and I thought that was a major, major, major swing in that game. Um, I do think Mookie Betts would have caught that ball. It seemed like it was going to be right in his glove, but being down 2 nothing looked like you're going to be 2-2 and then not getting those runs. you know. And then the game ends on a Ben Attendee diving catch up by two runs in the outfield with the bases loaded. The Red Sox, um, I have a feeling they, they might be going to the World Series here, Roz. I don't know if Houston has enough muster to come back from a 3-1 deficit against a team who won the most games in the regular season this year. Right, I think the team that could come back from this deficit would be the Astros, but it just doesn't look to be. I think the Red Sox are the most dominant team in baseball right now. They've proved it during the regular season, and they've done nothing less in the playoffs in terms of proving it. I think the Red Sox are headed to a World Series championship, one I won't appreciate, one that my family won't appreciate, and one most people who are baseball fans that also hate Boston won't appreciate. We're tired of Boston's success. We're over it. We would love the Red Sox and Patriots to be shipped overseas so we don't ever hear them winning another title ever again. And let's take a look over on the NL side of things. The Dodgers had a big win in Game 5. Clayton Kershaw went seven innings, nine Ks, only gave up three hits, and what a game for him. I think this was his biggest postseason performance to date. Um, The Dodgers take a 3-2 series lead. But I think a lot of the talk... There were two things. The Brewers sent out Wade Miley to make the start in Game 5, and they pull him after one batter, if he gives up one walk. And Craig Council came out and said that was their plan all along. They were trying to bait the Dodgers into using um, a left-handed heavy lineup. Um, so they end up putting in Brandon Woodruff, who pitches a great game, but the Dodgers end up pulling away. Another big storyline, Man- Manny Machado. um a little trouble over there at first base. Seems like he kind of clipped Jesus Aguilar's ankle. Um, Roz, I think Manny Machado is rapidly becoming the bad boy of baseball um, with some dirty, dirty plays that he's made over the past few years. Do you have any thoughts on the Manny? I just have thoughts that this is the last opportunity for the Dodgers. Manny has been in the news in terms of some dirty plays, but to me there are many other players I'd look at first before calling him a dirty player. But the Dodgers, hours before the game, there was a story on ESPN that came out saying Kershaw could be pitching his final game as a Dodger in Game 5 of the NLCS. 
and that is because he has the option to opt out of his contract after the season, which would probably make him the highest-paid pitcher on the market. So very interesting stuff, and they definitely do not have the money to sign back either Machado or Kershaw if they decide to become free agents. Yeah, well, you know, I don't think Kershaw is going to get as big of a deal as, as you think he will. Um, I think he's definitely on the downside of his career. You know, his fastball went from, you know, 94 to 95, 96, down to, you know, 91 to 93. He's still a very good pitcher, but I think definitely not the guy who we saw, you know, basically from that 10-year stretch from, like, 05 to 2015. He's dealt with some injuries lately, but, you know... Looking at the game on Friday night, Roz, and as you, know, as you listen to this on Saturday morning, I'm going to say that the Brewers take game six, um, and Wade Miley is going to start this one, and I feel like he's going to go more than one batter, and the, the Dodgers are going to send out Hyunjin Ryu, who's pitched very well this postseason and the regular season for the Dodgers. So I think that's going to set up a game seven on Saturday night, which will be played at 8 o'clock Central. Uh, so hopefully by the time you listen to this, we're getting ready for the pregame in game seven. I think the Red Sox series will be over. I think they're going to take that game on Thursday night, which sets up a, I'm going to say Milwaukee Brewers and Boston Red Sox World Series championship. I think the Major League Baseball would definitely love a L.A.-Boston matchup, but I think the Brewers are going to win the final two games. Um, Any thoughts on a World Series prediction here, Roz? I see L.A. versus Red Sox and Red Sox in four. Wow, Red Sox in four. I'm going to take the Red Sox in seven against whoever they might play um, in the NL. But don't count out those Houston Astros yet because they're a very feisty team. So we'll see if they can make it back here down one nothing in the fifth inning against David Price and the Red Sox. That is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. You can catch us on iTunes. Um, we'll be back next week. We got all the major sports going on right now. We got baseball, football, basketball, hockey's even going on right now. So a lot of great things going on in the sporting world. And we'll catch you next week, everybody. Can't spell greatest without Aaron Rodgers. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.